Hello and welcome to the Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson and this week I'm flying solo. A few weeks back I did an episode that was a Grixis EDH discard deck, deck tech, and I decided that this week it was super busy, ended up not getting a chance to get together, so I thought, well, what's a, what's a good way to, uh, you know, fill a week's worth of space, but another another uh, EDH brew. So the three of us were big EDH players. We love EDH. I hope our audience loves EDH because that's our favorite format to play, one of our favorite formats to talk about. And this week, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So listeners of the show know already, I'm a huge fan of vampires when it comes to magic. And I decided that out of my collection of possible commanders, I really wanted to do some tweaking and fine tuning of my Edgar Markov deck. So Back when the Commander 2017 set released, Edgar was one of the commanders, and he came out with a set of commanders that all had eminence abilities. So this is a thing that ended up being so overpowered it got Edgar banned in one versus one commander, but because I don't play a lot of 1v1 commander, I decided that, you know, I wanted to fine-tune this for our multiplayer games. So Edgar, he is a 4-4 legendary vampire knight for three colorless, a red, a white, and a black. And his eminence ability says, whenever you cast another vampire spell, if Edgar Markov is in the command zone or on the battlefield, create a 1-1 black vampire creature token. So he poops out tokens, right? And because of its the, the ability's eminence, he gets to do that as long as he's not in your graveyard or in your hand. If he's in the command zone or if he's out on the board, anytime that you cast another vampire spell, Edgar Markov creates a 1-1 black vampire token. So I decided that that was part of the strategy I wanted to build with this. Okay, so we're going to be able to churn out vampires left and right. And you're going to find out as we go through the deck, one of the themes I wanted to do was, okay, you know, obviously cards like Skull Clamp, which you'll find out is in here, allow me to to get rid of those tokens if I want to. But at the same time, I wanted to put in other sack outlets. So if I'm able to churn out all these vampires, what can, how can I abuse, you know, sacrificing them to do other things? So we'll, we'll get into that part of the strategy as we go through the cards. Edgar also has first strike and haste, so he can attack the, you know, as soon as you drop him, and he's got first strike. So that's, that's awesome. And then the, the other part, or the other thing I should say that Edgar can do is that whenever Edgar Markov attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire you control. So now he's buffing your entire army. He's basically a mentor without, you know, the mentor rule of, well, it's got to have a lower, you know, power than, than the card that has mentor. So Edgar's pretty awesome. He's, he's, he's insane and he makes you a big target, but I love to play vampires. I'm not afraid to be a target. So I say, bring it on. So the first thing we'll get into here as we go through this deck tech is we're going to go through the land base first. So this deck I've got built with 29 lands in it. Some people might say that's high. Some people might say that's low for some people, maybe, you know, 28 to 32 is kind of a sweet spot. I do have six mana rocks in here. So I do have other ways to generate mana, which is why I was okay keeping it below 30. Otherwise, I try to keep it right around 30, 32 if I can, depending. But I also wanted to make sure I had enough creatures to trigger that eminence ability as, as, as often as possible. So the land, land base is 29 and it looks like this. Uh, I've got one blood crypt in there. So I've got that from Ravnica Allegiance. As it enters the battlefield, you may pay two life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped and it generates a, a swamp or, or a mountain. So black or red mana, right? Uh, I've got Kays of Koilos in there. This you can tap to add a colorless mana to your mana pool. Or if you pay one life, you can add a white or black mana to your mana pool. 
There's a command tower, obviously. It's a commander deck, right? Got to have command tower. That taps to add to your mana pool one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. So for Edgar, this will produce red, white, or black mana. I've got a Dragon Skull Summit in here. Uh, this enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a Swamp or Mountain, and then it adds a black or red mana to your mana pool. I do have a Fetid Heath in here. So this taps for colorless, or you can tap it and pay a white or black mana to add either two white, a white and a black, or two black mana to your mana pool. Uh, I've got a Godless Shrine in here. Uh, it's another shock land, so as it enters the battlefield, you may pay two life. If you don't, it enters tapped, and this produces white or black mana. Graven Cairns is in here as well. Another, what do they call these? Uh, filter lands, I believe, right? So it, it taps for colorless, or you can pay a red or a black to add two black, a red and a black, or two red to your mana pool. I've got one isolated chapel in here. It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a plains or a swamp, and then it taps for white or black mana. I've got a mana confluence in here. Tap it to, and pay one life to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So again, it's kind of like a a pain land that lets you pick whatever you want so that's a nice thing right i've got one mountain in here one nomad outpost it enters the battlefield tapped and then after that it taps for red white or black mana one of those three colors uh, path of ancestry so this is one of the the big lands that came out with the commander 2017 set it enters the battlefield tapped and then you can tap it to add to your mana pool one mana of any color in your commander's color identity when that mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander scry one so you'll find out when we get to the creature base everything in here is a vampire so everything shares a creature type so as long as i'm casting it or using it to cast a creature, then I get to scry when I use it, since Edgar is a vampire, and so are all my other creatures. I've got two basic planes in the deck. One Rakdos Carnarium, so this is a this is a tap land, and also a bounce land, right? It's it's one of the the cheap lands. I tried to keep this deck. You're gonna find some of the other stuff in here is pretty expensive. Uh, it's definitely not a budget deck by any means, but I chose to invest money elsewhere rather than the mana base so it might set me back a little bit this is a, like a v1 we'll, we'll get some testing out of it see if maybe i want to um remove some of these tapped lands or bounce lands from the mana base but at the same time you know i don't have 600 bucks to dump into <laughs> a mana base where i'm gonna have you know fetch lands and and all kinds of stuff like that and so try to keep it as as reasonable as possible and that's the reason that i've got this uh this rakdos carnarium bounce land in here uh rugged prairie is in here so this taps for colorless or if you pay a red or a white and tap it you can produce two red a red and a white or two white mana sacred foundry this is another shock land enters the battlefield tapped unless you pay two life and this adds a red or a white mana to your mana pool uh, we got Scoured Barrens. So this is another, this is one of the life gain lands. So it enters tapped, but you do gain a life when it enters. So I figured, oh, what the heck? There's some synergy with some of the other cards in here uh, that that can have. You'll find that out later. Uh, that adds a white or a black mana to your mana pool. I've got a Sulphur Springs in here. It taps to add one colorless mana to your mana pool, or you can tap it and add a red or a black mana to your mana pool, and you can take one damage. So that just kind of, you know, gives you the option. That's one thing I definitely wanted in there. I do have one basic swamp in here. So a as you now know, I've got, what is that? A total of four basic lands, one mountain, two plains, and one swamp. So I, you know, if I play against somebody who can, uh, you know, turn all your non-basic lands into something else, this deck is absolutely crippled. But at the same time, a lot of my friends were pretty casual. We don't play super, you know, crazy hate like that. If I run into it, or I know somebody's going to play it. I just won't play this deck, but that is a very real 
thing that, you know, as an EDH player, you have to be aware of because there are a lot of people who want to turn non-basics off if they can, just because non-basics are really what make up the majority of any mana base in this format. We've also got, let's see here, one tainted field. So that taps to add a colorless mana, or if you, let's see here, add one white or one black to your mana pool, activate this ability only if you control a swamp. So I've got my swamp out there. Uh, there's a few other lands in here. I'm trying to filter them real quick that are also, so like cards like Godless Shrine, right? It's a plain swamp, okay? So that will also help, you know, Blood Crypt, that's a Swamp Mountain. So your non-basics do, depending on the type that they say, if it says land, obviously it has to be a Swamp. But if it's one of the different kind of land, you know, a dual land that taps for one or two, maybe even three different types of mana, then sometimes they say, you know, specifically Swamp Mountain, Swamp Plains, um, you know, things like that. So those are in here uh, to help with the Tainted Field. Then I've also got Temple of Malice. So this enters the battlefield tapped, and this is a scry land. So when it enters the battlefield, you get to scry one, and then it taps for one black or one red mana. Also got a Temple of Silence in here. That enters the battlefield tapped, and it's another scry land. So when it, uh, ETB, scry one, and that adds a white or a black mana to your mana pool. Temple of the False God, uh, this taps for two colorless and it can only be activated if you control five or more lands. So this is definitely more of a late game card, I suppose, because it's only producing colorless and also only if you have five lands. So this would be probably one of the cards that I would remove first as I'm trying to kind of upgrade that mana base, but it's in here for now. We got Temple of Triumph. So this is another enter the battlefield tapped and then scry one, and then it taps for a red or a white mana. Unclaimed Territory, as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, tap it to add a colorless mana to your mana pool, or tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, but spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type. So this helps because everything, again, is vampires, so if I'm using this to help cast a vampire, then I don't even have to worry about it, and I can use it for red, white, or black mana. Technically, I could use it for blue or green too, but there's no blue or green cards in this deck, so you don't have to. Uh, Urborg Volcano. This is another enter the battlefield tapped land, and then uh, it adds a red or a black mana to your mana pool. Two more lands left. Uh, one is a Vault of the Archangel. So this is a, a land that comes into play. Uh, you can tap it to add one generic mana to your mana pool, or you can pay two, a white and a black, and tap it, and creatures you control gain death touch and lifelink until end of turn. So that's just something... More so I have in here for, okay, it'll give me a mana, you know, if I need it. But then it also gives me that option later on when I want it, when I want to actually turn it on and activate it, you know, if you will, uh, to get Death Touch and Lifelink to my creatures. And then the final land in this mana base is Windscarred Craig. So this is another enters the battlefield tapped and gains you one life. And then it adds a red or a white mana to your mana pool. So that is the mana base. Again, I've got those, it's 29 lands total. And it's, it's probably the first place I'd start tweaking, but it is what it is. And it's, it's what I'm working with for now. As I, as I get to play it more, I'll see how efficient it feels. And if it feels too slow, then I'll have to make some changes. But for now, that's what we're looking at. Uh, let's see, let's flip over to spells next. So I've got seven instants in this deck. And the first one is Anguished Unmaking. This is an instant for one generic, one white, and one black mana. Exile target non-land permanent, you lose three life. So this is basically uh, some Planeswalker hate, enchantment, artifact. Basically, if there's anything on the board that I feel is a really, really, really big threat, I can pay, what did I say, generic, a white and a black, plus three life, and then I can exile it. So not only does this not hit 
the graveyard, you know, then it's, it, it's gone. It's, it, it can't be graveyard recursion doesn't matter. Right? So I've got one of those in there, one crackling doom. So this is an instant for a red, a white and a black mana crackling doom deals two damage to each opponent. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures he or she controls. So again, this is just to kind of help me keep my opponents in check and also keep their board state in check, right? If I'm playing people who are playing real big beefy creatures and I don't like it, this is an easy way for me to kind of chip away at some of the board while also chipping away at some of their some of their health. I also like how this is each opponent. You've probably heard me talk about it. You've probably heard Tej talk about it and maybe even Schnell talk about it. When you're playing EDH, I'd, it's nice to not leave choices up right so this is very specific in what people have to sacrifice but it also says each opponent so you don't have to just choose one that might come back and bite you in the butt later right this is you know what all opponents so then it doesn't look like you're you're ganging up on anyone picking on anyone kind of helps you politic right when it's each rather than target so that's another thing that I that I look for as I'm building these decks. I do have a Mortify in here. Uh, that's an instant for a white, a black, and one generic mana. And that's just destroy target creature or enchantment. So just some spot removal there. Uh, I'm running a Path to Exile in here. It's an instant for one white mana. Remove target creature from the game. Its controller may search his or her library for a basic land card and put that card into play tapped, then shuffle his or her library. So this is another exile, right? If this is if there's something that I don't want to see again because and I don't want to send it to the graveyard because of the fact that I'd be afraid to see it again, I'm going to use Path to Exile to just completely remove it from the game. So that's why that's in there. Uh, Return to Dust, Exile, Target, Artifact, or Enchantment. Uh, it's an instant for two generic and two white mana. If you cast this spell during your main phase, you may exile up to one other target artifact or enchantment. So this just kind of helps me control some of the artifact and enchantment stuff that's going on. You know, whether it's mana rocks that maybe I want to get rid of or or something else. You know, it, 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 this is how I can get rid of indestructible things, right? I can exile them. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking with Return to Dust. And again, the other part I like is if you cast this this during your main phase, so it's an instant, you can play it whenever you feel you need to, but if you save it and play it on your main phase, then you get to target two um, artifact or enchantments. So, you know, kind of gives you a little bit of flexibility there. I did keep from the Commander 17 precon, Teferi's Protection is in here. This is an instant for two generic and one white mana. Until your next turn, your life total can't change and you have protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out. So the card goes on to explain, while they're phased out, they're treated as though they don't exist. They phase in before you untap during your untap step after you cast this Exile to Fairy's Protection. So this is a card that is a bomb for you when somebody, you know, hey, somebody playing a, a Rift or, you know, some other sort of complete board wipe, well, guess what? Uh, you know, you got the three mana open for it, then you phase out and all of your stuff is unaffected. So this is just kind of a an ace in the hole, right? For when one of your opponents plays those inevitable board wipes that are everywhere in EDH. So definitely had to keep that in there. Uh, let's see, the last instant I have in here is a terminate. So uh, for a black and a red destroy target creature, it can't be regenerated. Again, this is some some spot removal that I wanted. Moving over to sorcery, we've got 10 of those. Uh, the first one here is Beseech the Queen. So this is a sorcery that allows, it, it's it's two generic, two generic, two generic, or one black, one black, one black. So this is hybrid mana, right? Two generic or a black, two generic or a black, two generic or a black, however you want to say it. And then it can be paid, again, in any combination with two mana or with a swamp. This card 
and and the converted mana cost it does state the cards converted mana cost is six so you count those generic costs in the in the casting cost rather than you know just the three swamp so uh it says search your library for a card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control reveal it and put it into your hand then shuffle your library so for me this is just a uh it's it's a another way to tutor for what I need, right? As long as I've got enough lands out there, I can tutor for just about anything in this deck, and it won't take too long to get that far. Because I don't know what the highest casting cost I have in here is, maybe six, and that's Edgar. So, you know, he he's out there already. You can never have enough tutors in in EDH, in in my opinion. Card draw is great, but when you can tutor and get exactly what you want, rather than having to rely on luck of the draw off the top of your deck, that's something I like to have kind of on my side while I'm playing. So Beseech the Queen, got one of those in here. I do have one Blood Tribute in here, so that's four generic and two black mana. You can kick it, and the kicking cost is just tapping an untapped vampire you control, so of course I'm going to run this in a vampire deck. And the card reads, uh, target opponent loses half his or her life rounded up. If Blood Tribute was kicked, you gain life equal to the life lost this way. So I'm definitely running any sort of life drain and life drain for my opponents and life gain for me, right? Fits on theme with vampires and it's just going to help me out in the long run. And it works in synergy with other cards, specifically some of the enchantments I have in this deck, as you'll see when we get to the enchantment section. So Blood Tribute, really like that card in this deck. Got a Day of Judgment in here. That is a sorcery for two generic and two white mana. And that destroy all creatures so there's your board white i'm taking my creatures down i'm taking your creatures down we're just wiping the whole the whole thing i do have a demonic tutor in here so for one generic and one black search your library for one card and take it into your hand reshuffle your library afterwards i'm running the revised edition demonic tutor so that's why it reads that way uh you know if you get the one from ultimate masters or a more recent printing then it's gonna be worded a little bit differently but search your library for a card of your choice, put it in your hand, reshuffle your library. One of my favorite tutor cards out there. So that's in there. Uh, Diabolic Intent. This is out of Battle Bond. It's a sorcery for one generic and one black land. And as an additional cost to this spell, sacrifice a creature. So again, I mentioned earlier that with Edgar's ability to generate vampire tokens from basically anywhere, as long as he's not in the graveyard or in your hand or in exile, I suppose. Uh, you know, he's pooping out tokens. So I've got all these expendable vampire tokens. I can easily pay for that sacrifice cost without using, you know, losing something that I want to keep around. In this card, uh, search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. So this is a demonic tutor that also causes you to sacrifice, basically. Again, like I've been stressing here, I think that tutors are awesome and you can never have too many of them. If I can find a way to fit them in, I'm going to do it. So that's why I've got that card in here. I do have one Dreadbore. This is a sorcery for a black and a red and destroy target creature or planeswalker. So again, this is some spot removal, but unlike Mortify, this allows me to uh, target planeswalkers as well. So definitely want to keep that option open for myself. Got a living death in here. This is a sorcery for three generic and two black mana. Each player exiles all creature cards from his or her graveyard, then sacrifices all creatures he or she controls, then puts all cards he or she exiled this way into the battlefield. So this just kind of flip-flops, right? It allows me to take my graveyard and, well, sorry, not me, I shouldn't say. Yes, it's strategically played for me, but it also allows my opponents, you know, let's let's uh, exile our graveyards and then sacrifice everything you have and then put your graveyard into everything you exiled, excuse me, from your graveyard into play. Uh, so it's a battlefield swap, uh, board wipe of sorts. 
I do have a Merciless Eviction in here. So for four generic, a white and a black mana, it says choose one, exile all artifacts, exile all creatures, exile all enchantments, or exile all planeswalkers. So this card lets me, uh, you know, choose. It's it's a board wipe, but you're choosing what type of wipe, right? So it's a little bit pricey, but it it helps a lot in a in a in a pinch. So it lets you wipe all the artifacts, the creatures, the enchantments, or the planeswalkers. Definitely like that card. We've got one new blood in here. So this is a sorcery for two generic and two black. As an additional cost to new blood, tap an untapped vampire you control. Again, for this deck, that should not be difficult. Gain control of target creature. Change the text of that creature by replacing all instances of one creature type with vampire. So basically, this just lets me steal a creature, but I get to keep it, right? So it's not like Act of Treason or something along those lines where I have to return it at the at the end of my turn, right? This just, you know what, boop, now it's mine. I'm going to keep it until I sacrifice it for something or I use it against you or, you know, whatever. It it's It's mine now for as long as either I want it to live or, you know, you kill it, so... I like that. Uh, just some some creature stealing shenanigans. And the last sorcery in here is Knight's Whisper. So this is a sorcery for one generic and one black. You draw two cards and you lose two life. So this is something that blue does very, very well, right? Allows you to do a lot of card draw. There's not a ton of specific card draw that I felt was efficient enough for this deck, but given the life totals that you start with in EDH and how easy it is with this deck to gain life back, I decided, you know what, two land and two life for two cards, I will pay that as often as possible. So wanted to get a Knight's Whisper in here just to help me kind of cycle through the deck and get those cards that I need. Uh, let's see, what do we want to do next? Let's leave the creature base for last. Let's move over to artifacts. So we've got 13 artifacts in here. I don't know, again, this is something I'll figure out as I go through and play with it. You know, do I need to trim this down? Is it okay? Is it not? We'll we'll figure that out as we go on. But there are, like again, 13 artifacts. First one, Blade of the Blood Chief. Obviously, you're going to have that in a vampire deck. So it, you know, one generic mana. It is an artifact, uh, a piece of equipment. Whenever a creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on equipped creature. If equipped creature is a vampire, put two plus one, plus one counters on it instead. So this is easy counter generation in, in a vampire deck, right? And the equip cost is only one. So you'd be, in my opinion, foolish not to run this in a, in a vampire deck. Now we get to some of the mana rocks, right? So I've got a Boros Signet in here for two generic mana. Uh, it's an artifact, and for one generic and tapping it, you add a red and a white mana to your mana pool. Chromatic Lantern's in here, three generic land, and this card reads, lands you have have tap them to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So this allows me to tap for anything. And you can also tap the Chromatic Lantern itself to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So this is this is a, a big EDH staple, right? Um, it was originally printed in Return to Ravnica, reprinted in Guilds of Ravnica, I believe. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's a card that's a, a big EDH staple just because it helps so much with mana fixing. I have one coat of arms in here. Uh, it's five generic mana, and it says, each creature gets plus one, plus one for each other creature on the battlefield that shares at least one type with it. For example, if two goblin warriors and a goblin shaman are on the battlefield, each one gets plus two, plus two. So every card is going to get, because they're all vampires, every card is going to get at least plus one, plus one for all of the other cards other than it on the board. So Coat of Arms is huge. I really like it in tribal decks, as would anyone, I would hope. And that's why I run it in here. Easy, easy, easy uh, creature pump. 
Got a Dora Destinies in here as well. For generic mana, as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever you cast a spell of the chosen type, put a charge counter on Door of Destinies. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one for each charge counter on Door of Destinies. So again, you can see in a any sort of tribal deck why Door of Destinies is awesome. So I run that in here. I do run one Gilded Lotus. So for five generic mana, you can tap it. Uh, or sorry, it, the casting cost is five generic mana. Once it's out in the in, in, in the battlefield, then tap it, add three mana of any one color. So some mana fixing there. Herald's Horn, this costs three generic mana. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creature spells you cast of the chosen type cost one less to ca- one less generic mana to cast. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. So this reduces casting cost of creatures and also can potentially give you one extra draw at the beginning of your turn. So it checks the top of the deck during your upkeeps, which is obviously before your your draw step. So it can generate two cards if a creature of the chosen type is on top of the library. Really like the value that Herald's, Herald's Horn gives. Got an Orzhov Signet in here. This is another mana rock for two generic mana. Tap one generic mana and, or one mana, we know, whatever you want, and tap it to add a white and a black mana to your mana pool. Rakdos Signet, this is the same thing, except instead of Orzhov colors, this is in Rakdos colors. So it costs two generic mana to play, and then when you're going to use the when you're going to use it, tap one mana, tap the, the, the mana rock, and add a black and a red mana to your mana pool. Now we got the Skull Clamp that I mentioned earlier. So Skull Clamp, artifact for one generic mana. Equipped creature gets plus one, minus one. Whenever equipped creature dies, draw two cards. So I can turn those vampire tokens into drawing engines with Skull Clamp if I want to, as long as I'm not pumping them all too much from something like Coat of Arms, you know, whatever else I have out there. So Skull Clamp's in here for strategic card draw whenever I can get it, uh, and that equips for just one generic mana. So Skull Clamp is extremely efficient in token decks. And of course... The good old staple of staples in EDH. We do have a soul ring in here. One generic mana, tap it, add two generic mana to your mana pool. So got to have a soul ring in an EDH deck, right? Turn one soul ring, best play in EDH. I have an Urza's Incubator in here. So three generic mana. As Urza's Incubator enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creature spells of the chosen type cost two generic less generic mana less to cast. So I'm also trying to do what I can to get my creatures out for cheap, right? The the cheaper they are, the faster I can play them all. So that's why Urza's Incubator is in here. Last artifact in the deck is a Vanquisher's Banner. This is an artifact for five generic mana. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. And whenever you cast a creature spell of the chosen type, draw a card. So this works with Coat of Arms. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same as Coat of Arms, but it does pump creatures and it gives me card draw. So that's why I've got that in there. And my 13 artifacts work kind of in, uh, what's the word I want, in conjunction with the 12 enchantments that I have in this deck. First one is Anointed Procession. So this is an enchantment for three generic and one white mana. If an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many of those tokens instead. So if I can get this out early enough, now Edgar's pooping out two tokens every time. So this just is some nice token ramp and allows me to go wide and also start getting that sack outlet built up as early as possible. So that's why I run Anointed anointed Procession in here. I got a black market in here, uh, three generic, two black mana. Whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on black market. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, 
add one swamp to your mana pool for each charge counter on black market. So this is just really good uh, mana value, which allows me to pay for creature abilities or summoning creatures, casting spells, casting artifacts, you know, whatever I want to do. So I just like the extra mana generated by black market. I run one boon reflection in here. So that's four generic and one white mana. If you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. So just doubling that life gain. Cather's Crusade, three generic, two white mana. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. So every time I play a creature or any time I'm generating tokens off Edgar, and if I've got that anointed procession out there, if I cast one creature, it's getting three plus one, plus one counters on every creature I control. Uh, or sorry, two plus one plus one counters on every creature I control. So that's that's what I'm looking to do here is just how much stuff, how much pumping, you know, can I do? I run a Dictate of Erebos in here, three generic, two black mana. Uh, the cool thing is this is an enchantment that can be played at flash speed. So that's awesome. Uh, whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So now you've got to pay for my creatures dying. You're going to have to sacrifice, which I like. Uh, Exquisite Blood. So that's a, an enchantment, four generic, one black. Whenever an opponent loses life, you gain that much life. So of course I'm running a sanguine bond in here as well for that infinite loop. That is an enchantment for three generic and two black. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. So you get both of those on the field and you can just have a loop until you gain all their life and they lose all their life, which is nice. Run a Grave Pact in here to kind of go hand in hand with that Dictate of Erebos. Grave Pact, one generic, three black mana, and whenever a creature you control dies, each other player sacrifices a creature. So just more Dictate effects, right? If I'm going to lose something, so are you. Run a Kindred Boon, two generic and two white mana. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, and then for one generic and white one generic and one white mana, put a divinity counter on target creature you control of the chosen type. Each creature you control with a divinity counter on it has indestructible. So this is just a way to hopefully keep my creatures from dying, right? I do have a Radiant Destiny in here. That is from Rivals of Ixalan, so it's a newer card. Uh, let's see, two generic and one white mana. It has Ascend, so if you control 10 or more permanents, you get the City's Blessing for the rest of the game. As Radiant Destiny enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one, so there's another pump effect, right? And then as long as you have the City's Blessing, they also have Vigilance. So this is something with all of the token generation that I've got in here. Shouldn't take me too long to get the city's blessing, right? And once I do, now I've got all my creatures for the rest of the game have vigilance. So that's that's a nice thing too. And as long as Radiant Destiny stays alive, then they also get plus one, plus one. I run a shared animosity in here. It's an enchantment for two generic and one red mana. Whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus one plus zero until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it. So again, in a tribal deck, this is extremely useful in pumping your creatures. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the reason I put my last enchantment in this deck, St uh, Stencia Masquerade. So for two generic and one red mana, attacking creatures you control have first strike. Hey, if I can pump the hell out of them and then they have first strike, hopefully I can kill your creatures before they do anything to mine, right? So I really like that combination there. And also, whenever a vampire you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So hey, here's more plus one, plus one counter generation. And this card also has madness for two generic and one red. So if you discard this card, discard it into exile when you do cast it for its madness cost or put it into your graveyard. So you are able to, if something forces you to discard a card, 
and you've got the mana open and this in your hand, you can discard it to that effect and then cast it so you don't lose it. So that's pretty nice. Let's see. Let's do Planeswalkers before Creatures. We'll end with Creatures. So I've got four Planeswalkers in this deck, and they're all the same guy, just different versions of them. I do run one Soren Lord of Innistrad. Let's see. He comes into the battlefield with three loyalty counters, and he costs two generic, one white, and one black. Plus one him to put a 1-1 black vampire creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield. So there's more token generation. Minus two, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus one, plus zero. So he's going to pump my creatures a little bit too. And his ultimate, destroy up to three target creatures and or other planeswalkers. Return each one you put into a graveyard this way onto the battlefield under your control. So he is a really nice utility card. And then my favorite Planeswalker card of all time, Soren Markov. He's in here. Three generic mana, three black mana. Comes into play with four loyalty counters on him. Plus two, Soren Markov deals two damage to target creature or player, and you gain two life. Minus three, target player's life total becomes 10, which is huge in EDH, right? And minus seven, you control target player's next turn, which is huge in any format. So, of course... Uh, Soren Markov being, you know, my favorite character from Magic, I had to have him in here, and he's going to do some work. I can I can tell already, right? Uh, we've also got Soren Solemn Visitor, two generic, a white, and a black mana. He comes into play with four loyalty counters. Plus one, until your next turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain lifelink. Minus two to put a 2-2 black vampire creature token with flying onto the battlefield, so more token generation. And his ultimate minus six, you get an emblem with at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. So just another thing to kind of feed my, just another way to force opponents to sacrifice. I've got, you know, the Dictative Erebos and the Grave Pack, so when my creatures die, you have to sacrifice, or I can get, if I can get him to his ultimate, you know, then now I've got an emblem that says at the end of uh, what at the end of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. So just another way to to force people to to kill their own creatures. And then I've also run a copy of one of the new Sorens from War of the Spark. So Soren Vengeful Blood Lord for two generic, a white and a black. He comes into play with four loyalty counters. His passive static ability is as long as it's your turn, creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. So that's cool. Minus two, Soren Vengeful Blood Lord deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. So I can do this to someone or one of their planeswalkers to jump off their, you know, uh, remove their loyalty counters. And then minus X, return target creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a vampire in addition to its chosen types. So this is just a way for me to kind of uh, bring back some of my other vampires. Uh, You know, if they die and I want to bring him back, Soren Vengeful Blood Lord is a way to get them to get them back. So finally, we'll move over to the creature base now. This deck runs 24 creatures because I want to cast them as often as possible to really get that eminence ability and and abuse it, right? I I want to be generating tokens as often as possible. So creature number one, Anawan the Rune Sage. He is a vampire shaman for three generic and two black mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, each other player sacrifices a non-vampire creature. So I don't know what your play groups are like, but... I don't really play against people who run a whole hell of a lot of vampires. So certainly not tribal decks. So this is just a way for me to save my creatures and uh, force my opponents to sacrifice theirs as long as they're not playing vampires. Uh, oh, and he's a, he's a 4-3. So he's got a decent uh, body on him too. I run a Blood Artist. So for one generic and one black mana, this is a 0-1 vampire creature. Whenever Blood Artist or another creature dies, target player loses one life and you gain one life. 
So again, this is just a way to generate life drain for my opponents and life gain for me. And if I've got my enchantments out, then this is a good way to play into them as well. Get that loop going. I do run a Bloodseeker. This is a 1-1 vampire for one generic and one black mana. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you may have that player lose one life. So this is just a way to make people pay for paying creatures. And at the same time, it's a way to get those enchantments triggered again. So you can see all of the different kinds of themes I'm trying to run in this deck. Let's see, then I'm running a Bloodline Keeper. So this is actually one of my favorite vampires uh, from one of my favorite sets. This guy's out of Innistrad and he's just awesome, right? And Bloodline Keeper, he is uh, two generic, two black, three, three flyer. Tap him to put a two, two black vampire creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So again, this guy generates tokens for me. And for one swamp, I can transform him, but activate this ability only if you control five or more vampires, which with this deck shouldn't be difficult, right? His ability, Edgar's ability, all, all those things should be should be doing that. So when he's able to transform, he transforms into the Lord of Lineage. He's a 5-5 five, five flyer, and other vampires you control get plus two, plus two. Then he taps and keeps that ability of create a 2-2 black vampire creature token with flying. So really, really, really like Bloodline Keeper slash Lord of Lineage. Glad he's got a slot in this deck. Bloodline Necromancer is next. Four generic mana, one black mana. You get a 3-2 lifelink. When Bloodline Necromancer enters the battlefield, you may return target vampire or wizard creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this is a this is another card that's going to let me, kind of like Soren Vengeful Bloodlord, he's going to let me get creatures back from the graveyard. Gotta run a captivating vampire in a vampire deck, right? This guy is a 2-2 for one generic and two black mana. Other vampire creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So there's some more pumping going on. But I really like his ability here. Tap five untapped vampires you control. Gain control of target creature. It becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. So it shouldn't be that hard to flood my board and get enough vampires on there for me to be able to start abusing his ability and stealing creatures from my opponents. I've loved this card since it was printed. It's been a staple for me ever since. And I will always have him in a vampire deck. I run a dark imposter, so two generic and one black mana. You get a 2-2 creature uh, with the ability you can pay four generic and two black mana, exile target creature, and put a plus one plus one counter on dark imposter. Dark imposter has all activated abilities of creature cards exiled with it. So if you can get this guy to stay on the board, he's he's pretty cool, right? He's like a um, like a clone, but a, but a vampire, right? Who also gets a plus one plus one counter every time you exile something and clone it with him. So I really like him if you've got the mana to spare to use his ability. Uh, we run one Drana, Liberator of Malakir in this deck. So for one generic and two black mana, you get a 2-3 flying first strike, which is great already, right? But whenever Drana, Liberator of Malakir deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. So she's kind of like Edgar in that she pumps your attacking creatures. However, unlike Edgar, she's got to do that combat damage first, whereas Edgar will do it, you know, as the attack initiates. But the nice thing is she's got first strike. So if you can attack early with her, get her out early before uh, opponents are able to kind of stabilize their board, maybe get some flyers out, uh, you can get that first strike damage and then pump up your creatures that are on the ground or that don't have first strike, I should say. So I really like her. She's got some good utility to her. I do run one Alenda the Dusk Rose, two generic, one white, one black mana. You get a one, one lifelink. Whenever another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Elenda the Dark Dusk Rose. So I really like this because 
it she sees any creature dying not just mine so and in, in edh when you're playing with a bunch of opponents that's just that many more chances you have for other creatures to die so she should it, as long as you can keep her alive it shouldn't be too difficult to get her pumped quick and when she dies create x11 white vampire creature tokens with lifelink where x is equal to elenda's power so just another token generator when she dies as well I run one Falconrath Noble in this deck, three generic and one black for a 2-2 flyer. Whenever Falconrath Noble or another creature dies, target player loses one life and you gain one life. Again, this is just a way for me to kind of buff myself while hurting my opponents and hopefully getting those enchantments triggered uh, if I've got them on the board. I run one Forerunner of the Legion in this deck. It's two generic and one white for a 2-2 vampire. Whenever it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a vampire card, reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. So this allows me to kind of stack the deck in my favor with a vampire that, that I want to get out. And whenever another vampire enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I don't care so much about that second ability as I do about his first. I want to use him as a vampire tutor, right? That's why he's in here. Help me get what I need as fast as I can get it. I run one gifted Aetherborn. So for two black mana, you get a two, three death touch, death touch and lifelink. So this is just a guy I think is, you know, he can kill anything he touches and he gives you lifelink for only two two black mana. So he's in here because he's just a freaking awesome vampire. One of my favorite vampires actually that's out there. I run one indulgent aristocrat. So for one black mana, he's a one, one lifelink pay two, sacrifice a creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire you control. How this guy's only an uncommon. I'm not too sure. I guess maybe the, the cost of it might be a bit prohibitive depending on what you're playing, but in a deck like this that should be generating tokens left and right, it's really not that hard to find a creature to sacrifice. And then you get to put a plus one, plus one counter, not on him, you know, uh, or I should say not just on him, but on each vampire you control. I mean, come on, if we're going wide enough, we're pumping up a ton of stuff with this guy. So I really like him in this deck. Got to have Legion Lieutenant in here, right? So for one white and one black, you get a 2-2 body. Other vampires you control get plus one, plus one. So he just kind of buffs your entire your entire board other than him. I run a Malakir Blood Witch, three generic, two black. You get a 4-4 flying and protection from white. So that's kind of nice. When Malakir Blood Witch enters the battlefield, each opponent loses life equal to the number of vampires you control. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So this is a way to trigger those enchantments. And also, if the deck is working like it should, you've got a pretty wide board by the time you can uh, drop her anyway. So if you get enough tokens on the board, she's really going to be disruptive you know, to all opponents and then really buff your own uh, life total as well. I run one Mavern Fane Dusk Apostle. He's from Ixalan. 2-2 two, two body, uh, two generic, one white mana. Whenever one or more non-token vampires you control attack, create a 1-1 one, one vampire creature token with lifelink. So he's in here just for that ability to uh, generate tokens. I do run one Necropolis Regent. She's a 6-5 flyer for three generic and three black mana. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put that many plus one plus one counters on it. So she's in there to really help buff my creatures. She's expensive. She's in the high end of my curve. But if she comes in and does the job I need her to do, she's really going to help too. I do run one Olivia Voldaren, two generic, one black, one red for 3-3 three, three flyer. 
And let's see, what are her abilities? Uh, tap one generic and one red mana. Olivia Voldaren deals one damage to another target creature. That creature becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Olivia Voldaren. So you see that kind of vampire-ness, right? It, it, uh, it drains life from a different creature, turns it into a vampire, and she gains plus one, plus one counter from it. And then you can uh, pay three generic and two black mana, gain control of target vampire for as long as you control Olivia Voldaren. So you can hit an opponent's creature, turn it into a vampire, and then take control of it as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, Patron of the Vein is in this deck, four generic, two black mana for a 4-4 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent control, so that's nice. But then what we really like is the second part of its ability here. Whenever a creature and opponent controls dies, exile it, and put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire you control. So again, this is a guy who's going to buff my whole field. He's, he's six mana, so he's cost intensive, but when he's out there doing his job, it really, really helps, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better term. He is buffing everything out there. We've got one Sanctum Seeker, two generic, two black for a 3-4 body. Whenever a vampire you control attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So this triggers for each creature that you attack with, which is great. And then again, this is just another way to get those enchantments going and try to get that infinite loop going. Uh, because if you've got those, both those enchantments on the board and you've got a, you know, other van or even him, uh, whenever a vampire you control attacks each, each opponent. So you don't have to pick target. It's each opponent, which if you can get that off, then suddenly you've now infinite comboed everyone, which is, which is nice. You win the game, buddy. Uh, Stromkirk Captain, I really like this card in this deck too. One generic, one black, one red for a 2-2 first strike. And other vampire creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have first strike. So I got a lot of stuff that kind of buffs all my other creatures. You know, it gives them plus one, plus one. They have the ability to generate counters and distribute those or, or whatever. But this guy gives them plus one, plus one, and first strike. So I really like that. Got to run a Twilight Prophet in a vampire deck. He's a 2-4 flyer for two generic and two black mana. He's got Ascend. If you control 10 or more permanents, again, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game. His ability reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have the city's blessing, reveal the top card of your library and put it into your hand. Each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is that card's converted mana cost. So again, this is another way to trigger those enchantments and something that punishes each opponent rather than target opponent. I run one Voldaren Pariah in this deck. So a Voldaren Pariah for three generic and two black mana is a 3-3 flyer. You can sacrifice three other creatures to transform Voldaren Pariah. But before you get there, it does also have Madness, three black mana. So again, if you discard this card, uh, discard it into exile. When you do, cast it for its Madness cost or put it into your graveyard. So again, sacrifice three other creatures, transform Voldaren Pariah. So if you get to transform it, it transforms into Abolisher of Bloodlines, which is a 6-5 flying Eldrazi vampire. And when it transforms into Abolisher of Bloodlines, target opponent sacrifices three creatures. So unfortunately, it's not each, but still it's a nice way to kind of reset somebody's board state or do some damage to their board state, uh, you know, if you have to. So the last creature in this deck and the last card in this deck is Yeheni, Undying Partisan. He's a 2-2 hasty creature for two generic and one black. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Yeheni, Undying Partisan. Sacrifice another creature. Yeheni gains indestructible until end of turn. So if I don't have my, gosh, I can't even think of what it's called right now. My Kindred Boon out, right, where I'm giving creatures indestructible by putting the divinity counters on them, then I, I, can, I can at least keep Yeheni alive 
because this deck, when it's working, should be generating all those tokens I've mentioned a million times, and it shouldn't be that hard to find something to sacrifice to make him indestructible. So unless the opponent's going to exile him, he's sticking around, right? So that's the 100 cards in this deck. I, I really... Like I said, I really like vampires. I really enjoy playing with them. I think Markov is an extremely powerful commander. Any any of the Eminence commanders really are. Uh, they're almost broken in a sense, I guess, if you know how to use them right. But Edgar might have the best one there is as far as just straight up punishing immediately with that Eminence ability. I like him. I like vampires. I like this deck. I can't wait to really get out there and, and get some more heavy play testing done with it. Like I said, if I had to pick one place to start to upgrade from, it would be the land base, but we'll get that far when we get there. So that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and don't forget to tell a friend. They can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you consume your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our social channels at Homebrew Magic on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, don't drink and scry.